Welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyons Podcast. We hope that this message encourages you and blesses you. It's so good to be in the house of God. How many have enjoyed this uh, rainy weather? How many are ready for dry weather, right? Yeah, I think we're all ready for some dry weather. Um, It's been a great blessing. We needed it, but we need that dry weather now to come aboard. So I'm praying for that as well. Hey, I'm glad that you're all here today. Um, I'm beginning a new series today for the rest of this month on the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, Holy Holy Spirit. He is your friend. Did you know that? In fact, that's the title of this message today, My Friend, the Holy Spirit. Let's pray this afternoon. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now with, with a humble heart, with an open heart to you, Father. And we pray, God, that you would have your way, that you would show us through your word truth, that we would set aside preconceived convictions, uh, teachings, or thoughts that we may have had. And Lord, just open us up to what your word declares, which is the simple truth of the gospel. So we pray that today in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, I want to talk to you today and focus on who is the Holy Spirit? Have you ever wondered, who is the Holy Spirit? Uh, you know, be honest, most of us at one point or another have asked ourselves or asked God, what is the Holy Spirit? What is that all about? And what exactly does he do? What did he come to do? And these are countless, or countless uh, questions that you may have asked, other believers struggle with as well. And what most people don't realize is that the Holy Spirit is a person. Everybody say, he's a person. And if you don't believe me, read the Gospel of John. All it takes is to read the Gospel of John, and you can clearly hear that he is a person. And we're going to look at those scriptures today. And the main point of understanding who the Holy Spirit is knowing that he's here to help you. He is your friend. How many right now have a really good friend? Maybe what you would call a best friend, right? Some of you have somebody that you can go to. I'm not talking about God here. Somebody else that you can just go to and share, and they can relate to you and and understand and sympathize with you and and give you that pat on the back and tell you it's going to be all right. All of us long for that if we don't have that, but... I want to tell you today, the Holy Spirit is your friend as believers. He is your best friend that you could ever have. And what I want to tell you today is that the Word of God declares clearly and abundantly that God is represented in the Scriptures as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All three are the description of the Trinity, which they are co-equal, co-eternal, They've existed from the beginning of time. Scripture tells us that in Genesis chapter 1, in John chapter 1, they were all there at the very beginning. How many can hear that noise in the background? Let me switch microphones. Now, testing. One, two. Yeah, you can still. So maybe we can come back here and maybe you can turn that one down. So again, the, the Holy Spirit is part of what we call the Holy Trinity. Now, you may say, well, the Trinity is not in the Bible. That word is correct. It's not in the Bible, but neither is rapture. 
are some other descriptions that, are, that we believe in and that we honor. Uh, again, the Trinity is describing the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as co-eternal, co-equal. They've existed from all eternity. They are all equally God. Amen? And, and these are taught as three distinct persons, not forming three gods. How silly that would be. It's one God with one essence, but they're distinct. And if you read the Gospel of John, you'll see how distinct they are because there's always the subject and object relationship. There's the Father speaking to the Son and the Son sending the Holy Spirit. And you'll see that throughout the Gospel of John, especially in the chapter that we're going to read today in John, John chapter 14. But again, this is taught in the Word of God. And, and for many of us, we can relate to who God the Father is. We can relate to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Those are very simple. Jesus is, is really the, the, the God that we see in the Bible. The Gospels declare who he is. He's the center of the entire Bible. The, the Bible is focused on the life of Jesus Christ as Savior. He came to save you and I. So we have no problem discovering who he is. We have no problem knowing that God the Father, who sent his Son, has existed. But sometimes it's the Holy Spirit. Who, who is that? How can we understand him better? Because he is God. Amen? So, um, when I first became a believer, I didn't consider the Holy Spirit a person. I considered him a force, an it. This would be a common thing you would hear when I became a believer. Did you get it? Did you receive it? Rather than did you receive the Holy Spirit, it was a focus on the it. Or and do, you, do you know what I'm talking about? And this was in reference to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is for believers. Amen? You and I have all been sealed with the Holy Spirit the moment you repented. Remember, when you repent, when, when God convicted you of your sins and you, you found a need for a Savior, you got on your knees somewhere. It could have been at your home. It could have been in the bathroom. It could have been in the car. It could have been at a church altar. Wherever it was, you saw the need for God in your life. And you began to say, Lord, forgive me. How many know that they have a special spot where they did that, right? At that moment, when you came to God, you repented. You said, Lord, not my will. Let your will be done. And all of you at that moment received the Spirit of God in your life. That's Bible right there. That tells us that you were born again at that moment. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> which I'm going to get to later in this series, is a promise for the believer, for those that seek it, for those that desire it. And it's a power, it's a, it's a dunamis power for, belief, for power in your life. We're going to cover that, but that's not my focus today. But I do want to just touch on that here today when I describe the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, which we will cover in this series. So, again, going back to how I first saw it, it was misguided, and that kind of talk will cause you to miss out on the fact that the Holy Spirit is a person, and he desires, the Holy Spirit desires a relationship with you, a personal relationship with you, 
And I would tell you today that until you realize that God is, the Holy Spirit is a person, that it's okay to say, Holy Spirit, I need your direction today. I need your guidance today. Do you pray like that? You should be. You should be saying, Holy Spirit, lead me today into all truth. Because the scripture and the word says that he, the Holy Spirit, will guide you into all truth. So this is the type of communication you and I are designed to have with this Holy Spirit. Remember, he is God. And until we have that understanding or that personal relationship, you will never develop the personal relationship between God and you that God intends for your life until you discover that he is a person that, that hurts, that feels. And we're going to look at some scriptures in the word here shortly. Now I'm going to take you to John chapter 14 and verse 16, if you have that in your Bible. If you open that up, we'll have it on the screen for you. But I just want to set this up. This is taking place during the Last Supper. You've all seen how many grew up with a picture of the Last Supper in your living room or in your kitchen somewhere. I know all of you, have, all you Hispanic people, I know you had it. Yeah, just like we did. Um, we had that picture of the Last Supper. And we all see Jesus there. We all see John with his shoulder on Jesus. We see Judas holding a little bag of money, typically. It's the typical scene that you see in that movie. Well, this is where this is taking place. Judas has already left the table. Jesus has told them, go and do what you must do. And now he's left with the remaining 11 disciples, and he's talking to them here. So I just wanted to set that up. This is the night before Jesus is to get crucified. So let's take a look at John chapter 14, starting in verse 16 or excuse me, in verse uh, 16, yes. Jesus here speaking. Listen to the combination of Jesus and the Father and the back and forth, and just listen to these words. Jesus speaking here. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, so that he may be with you forever. The helper is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. After a little while, the world no longer is going to see me. But you are going to see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me and I in you. The one who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will reveal myself to him. Verse 22, Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what has happened that you are going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will follow my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. The one who does not love me does not follow my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while remaining with you, 
But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and remind you of all that I said to you. Amen. Can you just say, the Holy Spirit is my helper? The next time you find yourself in a, in a pickle, in a situation, how many have ever been in a situation? We all have, amen? Begin to say, Holy Spirit, I need your help. The Word of God says he's your helper. Ask him for help, amen? We try to figure it out ourselves most of the time. We think, oh, well, I can do it. And the Lord is saying, I'm right here. You know, I'm right here. How many if you had a, an attorney, a lawyer, that would not charge you for their advice, would not take advantage of that? All of us would take advantage of that. I don't care who you are. Because, you know, lawyers, they cost an arm and a leg. And, and they're expensive. Amen. So I want to share, share with you some scriptures describing the Holy Spirit. I have a few scriptures I want to take you through. Let's take a look at John chapter 15, the very next chapter. John chapter 15 and verse 26. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, namely the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify about me. Here Jesus is saying the Helper is going to come that he will send him from the Father. The Holy Spirit was with the Father is what he's saying. He is the Spirit of truth, and he is going to send them, send the Holy Spirit to testify about Jesus. John 16, verse 7. But I tell you the truth, again, Jesus speaking, it is to your advantage that I am leaving, for if I do not leave, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Again, notice Jesus is sending the Holy Spirit. And then finally in John chapter 16 and verse 12, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them at the present time. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Let me repeat that verse 13 again. But when he, everybody say he, the Spirit of truth comes. He, say that again with me, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will disclose to you what is to come. Again, making it very clear that the Holy Spirit is a person. Now, in describing this, language here let's be careful god is not a man in in heaven god is a spirit we, he is non-gender he's 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 not just masculine but but the bible uses the descriptors of a male amen it doesn't mean that um anything more than that uh, it just describes him as our father it describes jesus as the son it describes the holy spirit as a he but in the reality of it the Word of God describes him as a spirit. Amen? So in each of these scriptures that we just read, what do we learn about the Holy Spirit? He's our helper. He's our comforter. How many have ever had someone pass away in your life and you've needed the comfort and the peace of God that only comes from him? That's all of us. I don't care who you are. You have all needed that, and that's the opportune time to say, Holy Spirit, I need your help, 
our, my dear sister Yolanda, who passed away in June. My parents' youngest daughter passed away. And the Holy Spirit is the only thing that can bring comfort at that time. And we pray, Holy Spirit, bring comfort right now. Holy Spirit, bring your peace. Holy Spirit, cover us right now with your love. That's a firsthand experience that all of you have had. And it's there and available to you in the future. Amen? The Holy Spirit is who brings us comfort when we're grieving, when we're filled with anxiety, when we become stressed out at your next party with your relatives. Amen? We all need the Holy Spirit to help us. So I'm going to take a look at three quick things today. The first one is, He's my helper. Say that with me. He's my helper. I want you to re recognize this and know this. The next time you get in a situation where you become overwhelmed, where, when you don't know what to do, ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I need your help right now. Nothing is too small. Nothing is too great for the Holy Spirit to help you with. I want you to understand, he's your best friend. Amen? The Holy Spirit is there for each of us as a believers, as believers. And as I asked you at the, at the outset, how many of us ever ask the Holy Spirit to help us? How many truthfully every day when, when you're, you know, stuck in Highway 29 traffic, Lord, help me with this traffic. I mean, it could be as simple as that. It could be, Lord, I'm, I'm shopping and I want to find a parking spot and there's no parking spot. Holy Spirit, open up a parking spot for me. I have prayed that prayer. My kids have seen it and somebody will just open up right there. I mean, he's there for your help, for your comfort. Amen? That's what I want to encourage you to also begin to do is ask the Holy Spirit to help you. He is there for each of us. John chapter 16, I want to take you there. John chapter 16, starting in verse 8. This is part of what the Holy Spirit has come to accomplish in this world. And He, speaking of the Holy Spirit, and He, when He comes, will convict the world regarding sin and righteousness and judgment. Regarding sin because they do not believe in Me. And regarding righteousness because I am going to the Father, and you lo no longer are going to see me. And regarding judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. Again, what, what is this verse, set of verses telling us? It's telling us that we must first be convicted of our sins by the Holy Spirit. How many remember can pinpoint a time in their life when they felt convicted of their sins, of their wrongdoings? Raise your hand if you remember a time and, and guess what? That doesn't go away just because it happened the first time. That's the first time where the Holy Spirit draws you to him. And he says, hey, check it out, buddy. The way you're living is not what I had for you, the plan I had for you. And all of a sudden, you become convicted of things that never bothered you in the past. Never would have crossed your mind to have to think about language, Places you go to, places you visit, things you do. But now the Holy Spirit convicts you of those things and says, uh-uh, uh-uh, you're called to be a believer. That was the old you. 
You are the new person. Amen? Can I get an amen on that? God leads us to repentance. When I first came to an altar, I felt convicted. I, I, I didn't know what was going on. It was in a revival. I know it was a Wednesday night. Uh, I remember the speaker. His name was Pastor Kenneth Baglin. And I couldn't tell you a word he spoke on. I couldn't tell you a thought of what that sermon was. All I know is as I sat in the back that something was grabbing a hold of me and saying, you need this. You need God in your life. I didn't know what it was. And so I came up to the altar and I repented. I remember crying tears of repentance. How many know what I'm talking about? Just letting go and just saying, Lord, here I am. I'm sorry. Forgive me of my past. Forgive me of my present. And he did. At that moment, I didn't realize this, but at that moment, I became, I became born again. I was no longer that old person. I was a new creation in Christ at that moment. And God restores us when he, first he brings you to repentance. Nobody is going to get baptized as a believer unless you've come to repent, unless you've repented. And, and so I did. I, I was convicted. I came to an altar. I became saved. I received this Holy Spirit. I was sealed at that moment as I received Jesus Christ into my life as a believer. If I had died that day, I would have gone to heaven because I repented of my sins. Another word for convict is to convince. The Holy Spirit convinces you that your lifestyle is wrong. How many have ever had an argument with somebody and somebody convinces you of something, right? Yeah, that, that's us parents, right, with any conversation with our kids. You know, you're wrong. And, and, uh, and so, or it could be you as parents trying to have a conversation with your kids. You convince them, right? Your, the, the word is actually conviction. Conviction and convince are the same terminology here. The Holy Spirit's job is to convince you of your need for a Savior. And thank God he does that. Thank God he did that for you. Thank God he did that for my mom and dad, for each of you here today, that he spoke to you and that you recognize that in your spirit, I need a Savior. And prior to that, for me it was 24 years, maybe for you it was 54 years, maybe for you it was 74 years, that you didn't recognize that you needed a Savior. At that moment I recognized I need a Savior. I can't do this on my own. And the Lord fills me with his presence. Amen. It's a beautiful thing to be convinced of our sins that we need a Savior because then we repent and the beautiful blessings of the Lord fall upon us. Amen. When I was a young believer, this is how I viewed the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit just existed to convict us of sin, to remind us of what righteousness was and judgment. In other words, you're a sinner, you're not living right, and God's going to get you. Is that the God of the Bible? No. But if, if you're not careful, you can take those scriptures and cause condemnation to fall upon you when that was never the intention of the Word of God. The Word of God draws you to Him. It doesn't push you away from Him. Amen? I need a louder amen than that. <laughs> amen. Uh, according to what we just read, the scriptures we just read, 
His job is to convict me that I'm a sinner without Jesus Christ. And that once I repent and accept him into my life, I am in right standing with God, not based on how I act and what I do, but because of what he did, I am now in right standing with God. Because I'll tell you, none of you, no matter how good you think you are, are good enough. You ain't good enough. Amen? The Bible says our goodness is like filthy rags before him. It's what Jesus Christ does for us that makes us holy and righteous in his eyes. It's not what you do. Now, we're to do our best. We are to live in accordance with the word of God. Amen? But I was convicted. I was a sinner without Jesus, and I repented, and I accepted him into my life, and I became born again. Born again, now I am in right standing with God because I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to work in my life. So again, number one, he is my helper. He becomes my advocate, my comforter, amen. Number two, he's my friend. Now, if you have a best friend, I'm so happy for you because not everybody has a best friend. Not everybody has somebody they can go to and, and share their deepest, dark secrets with them and feel that comfortable, amen? How many know what I'm talking about? It, it takes a lot to share that with somebody. But God, the Holy Spirit, He is your friend. But here's what I want to clarify about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not strange. The Holy Spirit is not weird. I think a lot of times... People that don't have a proper understanding of, of the Word of God tend to think, well, the Holy Spirit, ooh, that's like that's, that's that weird stuff that goes on in some churches. No, God is not weird. People are weird. People are different. People make the Holy Spirit and God look weird. But God isn't weird, amen? In fact, God is a God of, of, of authority God is a God of control. All throughout the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, there are rules laid out for the church how to comport themselves. But people are weird. People can get weird. Amen? The Holy Spirit is kind. He's sensitive. He's wonderful to each of us because He is a person that loves you also believe this, that the enemy of our souls communicates, tries to communicate this message of division about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. According to the Word of God, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is available to every believer. Every believer. Did you catch that? The baptism of the Holy Spirit is available to every believer. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Spirit doesn't make you a believer. It's for believers. It's a big, big difference. We read in the Word of God that believers spoke in tongues as evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which still goes on today, as many of you who have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, the early church believers received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the Bible says they turned the world upside down with that dunamis, with that power that was given to them in Acts chapter 2. They received power. That was the Holy Spirit. But here's the problem with what the enemy tries to do. 
you see the enemy comes in and he says, okay, I'm going to take advantage of this. Because this, this is what the enemy does. He goes, I'm going to create the haves and the have-nots. In other words, those that have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and these lesser people here, those that don't. And what can happen, the enemy can do this, is cause these people to look down on these people, to say, you're not good enough. You're not worthy enough. I am. How about you? And, and that's, I believe, what happens in our world today with what the enemy tries to do with what is the gift of God for each of us. God didn't cause it to be divisive. God brings that to be a blessing, to give you power in, in your ministry. Amen? And in the process, not only does it lead to division, it can lead to pride. Well, I have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you haven't. I mean, seriously, it can lead to pride if you're not careful. God, the Holy Spirit, did not come to divide or to fill you with pride. He came to be your best friend. He came to fill you with power. I, I'm more concerned with people that are walking with the fruit of the Spirit in their life? Are you walking and exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Are you walking in love? Or is every conversation that uh, outside a church just gossip and gossip and gossip? Or um, are you walking in, in power in your ministry, whatever it is that you're doing, reaching out to the homeless, feeding the homeless, uh, reaching out to whoever it is that you're reaching out to? Are you doing that with the, the authority of the Lord? That's what I'm concerned about, Amen. He came to fill you with the fruit of the Spirit. He came to fill you with His love. He came to fill you with His power. He is your friend. Everybody say that. He's my friend. Amen. And the third and final point, He's my God. He's God Almighty. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are described as the Trinity. Again, a word that's not found in the Bible, but neither is the rapture. We believe in the rapture. These three form the one God of the Bible. If you're looking for three persons in heaven, you'll never find them. The Bible never says that. There's only one throne, amen? And it's found in, and described as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three gods. How silly would that be? I, I, I don't know anybody who's ever believed that. But we do believe that the Scripture teaches us clearly that the Father is not the Son and the Son is not the Holy Spirit. Yet the three persons form the one God that we worship. The three in one. The three in one. It's a common theme throughout the New Testament, throughout the Old Testament even. Let's take a look at a, a few scriptures. John chapter 14 and verse 16. And listen to what's taking place here. See if you can see the Trinity here. I, this is Jesus speaking, will ask the Father... And he will give you another helper, so that he may be with you forever. I see three distinctions there being classified. I see the Son, I see the Father, and I see the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? Amen. Let's go to where Jesus was baptized in Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3 and verse 22. See if you can uh, see the same thing happening here. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him, upon Jesus, in bodily form, like a dove. 
doesn't mean, let me stop right there, doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is a dove. If you see a dove, it's not the Holy Spirit. I mean, doves are beautiful. They're beautiful white birds, and that's it, okay? That's all it's saying. So the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, nice and flowing down upon Jesus. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son. In you, I am well pleased. Do you see the three distinctions there? Jesus, the Father, the Spirit of God. They're there. And then, of course, the last one that is very common, which is Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19. Jesus' own words here where he said, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. He is a person. And here's, here's something else I want to tell you. The Holy Spirit has feelings. What do you mean by that, Pastor Rick? Well, God has feelings. Do you think he gets hurt when you choose not to, when you choose to reject him? I absolutely believe that because he loves you. How many parents here, if your children rejected you, would not be hurt? All of you would be. Our Father in heaven is no different. The Holy Spirit is no different. I want to take you to Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. This is the story, the account of Ananias and Sapphira. If you read the whole account, they had sold some property. They had made some money, but they lied to God about how much money they made. And so listen to this, uh, what Peter says here. But verse 3, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit. And in verse 4, the end of verse 4, you have not lied to men, but to God. We can actually lie to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has feelings, it's a person, and we can lie to him. So again, we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is God, God Almighty, who was at the very beginning. How many, how many remember Genesis chapter 1, and the Spirit of God hovered above the waters. The Spirit of God was there. The Holy Spirit was there. And as I close today, I can have Bianca come up. I'm just going to share a little quick story. Back when I first got saved, um, I was driving along here in Napa on Silverado Trail, and I was about, I think I was 24, just become saved. And I picked up a hitchhiker. I mean, remember hitchhikers back in the day. You don't want to do that today. Today, you're asking for trouble if you do that. But I picked up a hitchhiker. He looked like an old hippie, this old hippie dude from the 70s or late 60s. And so I picked him up, and it was just me and him. And I figured, well, he's stuck in my truck. And I'm actually, I was up in Yauntville area, and I was bringing him to Napa. And so we're having a conversation. I began to ask him, hey, do you believe in God? And he was, you know, using terms like far out and, you know, this and that. And I could tell he had used a drug or two. And um, he goes, well, you know, I believe God is like, like a force, like in Star Wars. Like you, you can't see it, but it's out there. Like he was, like he was out there. But so I'm having this conversation with him, trying to describe to him about the God of the Bible. And I asked him if he believed in God. But he didn't, what, he, what this man didn't know though, as he was describing what he saw, what he thought, 
He was describing God the Holy Spirit. He didn't know that, though. God is a force. He is greater. It was a greater force that he didn't know what it was, though. But I knew what it was. It was the Holy Spirit. And as I shared with him, I realized uh, I'm just planting a seed. I'm not going to convince him of anything today, but I'm planting a seed. Sometimes that's all the Holy Spirit expects you and I to do. Just plant the seed and let it, let it grow. Later down the road, it'll grow. So here's what I want you to do this week. And begin to do today. Begin to do the rest of this week is let's begin to consciously ask the Holy Spirit to help us every single day of our lives. So stand with me today. This is what I want you to do. I want you to, the next time you find yourself in a situation, just say, Lord, Holy Spirit, I need your help. In that moment when I picked up that hitchhiker, what, what I didn't know to do, but what I could have said was, Holy Spirit, give me right now the words to speak to this man. Help me to declare truth to him. I didn't know that as a young believer. I just knew what God had done in my life. That's what I was trying to share with him. Ask the Holy Spirit. Just close your eyes right now. And picture this in your mind. Holy Spirit, I ask you right now that you would help me. Help me right now with this personal decision that I got to make, this, this move that I'm contemplating, this financial decision that I have to make. Help me. You're my truth. You're my comforter. You're the one that can help me with this. And I need your help, Holy Spirit. Come right now, Holy Spirit, and make yourself real in my life. And church, I just want to remind you right now, if you do that, watch how the Holy Spirit begins to work in your life. Amen? Watch how he begins to answer your prayers and answer your need today. Amen. How many are going to do that going forward? Begin to ask the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Well, we're going to close today by taking communion. If you have a cup, if you, and if you don't have a cup, raise your hand. One will be given to you if you don't have a cup. We need one over here in the front with the sound. So go ahead and open that and take the wafer out if you would. We do this as a church every first Sunday of every month. And before we partake of that, the Bible tells us that we got to examine and check our heart, check our spirit. So what we're going to do right now is we're just going to ask God, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit just to forgive us right now. So just bow your heads and close your eyes. And Heavenly Father, we come before you right now. And we just ask you right now, as we stand here humbly before you, that you would forgive us of any sin, any wrongdoing that we've committed, maybe something that we've hidden away that we're not even aware of anymore. I pray that, Father, you would forgive me. Forgive me for that. Cleanse me, Lord, and make me new again. Wash my sins as white as snow, which is what your word says that you do. And we thank you for that right now in Jesus' name. Go ahead and partake of that wafer right now. Go ahead and receive that.
now as we turn to the grape juice in your hand, we're reminded of the, cr the cross, the crucifixion. The blood that was shed on the cross was for the forgiveness of your sins. What Jesus did on the cross paid for it all. Paid in full. Account cleared when we take his blood on in repentance by receiving him into our life. The debt has been paid. And Lord, we're reminded of that today as we take of this grape juice to remind us of the great debt you paid for me and for everyone here today. We receive that in Jesus' name. Go ahead and take, partake. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you. We love you. You are so, so good to us. And as always, church, if you'll just lift your hands up with me today, we're going to pray a blessing over you. And just, just promise that you'll come back to catch the rest of the series. I don't want you to miss it. It's important that you hear it. But the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, be sure to check out our Facebook page at Foothill Christian American Canyon.